Hey y'all, it's your favorite host, and I wanted to just pop in here to say, uh, if you're enjoying the show uh, and you'd like to give us some support, the best way to do that is through Patreon. Uh, I've launched the Patreon with a couple of tiers. There's a $3 tier, which gives you access to the Discord, and you come hang out with uh, me and the other friends inside of that, uh, and just kind of talk the show, talk a bunch of different nerd stuff. And then there is a, another tier, an $8 tier, uh, where you can get early access to episodes ad-free. Um, you will also get free access to all uh, micro-RPGs that I create in the future. Yeah, so again, uh, thank you so much for listening to the show. Um, if you'd like to give additional support, that's one way to do it. Another great way to do it is just, you know, go on to whatever platform you're listening to and rate the podcast, subscribe, uh, follow, leave a review if you can. Um, those things really help gain visibility for the show, and it is always greatly appreciated. Link is in the description. Thank you so much, and back to the episode. Welcome to the Secret Nerd Podcast, where we think everyone should play tabletop RPGs and give you some reasons why. Today, I am very excited to talk to one half of the Slovenly Trolls podcast. Uh, she is a podcaster, uh, feminist extraordinaire, and <laughs> uh, and a writer. And yeah, I'm excited to get into this. So yeah, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Yeah. Hi, I'm Charday. I am a co-host of the Slovenly Trolls podcast, where we talk about D&D and feminism and the kind of problematic history of D&D, dissect it, um, educate people, and encourage everybody to do better. And I run that with um, my very, very bestest friend, Lissa. Lissa, the the official host, as she calls herself. Of <laughs> she, the official host that she tries to take from me every single time. And I keep fighting, but she keeps winning because yeah. I keep letting her do the introduction. So. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is the 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 bane right there. Um, yes, but yeah, no, it's uh, I love it. And um, yeah, I really enjoy your podcast. It's been so much fun to listen to. Um but before we get into all of that, where I always start is how did you get into nerd stuff in general? Oh, man. So my nerd origin story. <laughs> uh, so my dad is a huge nerd. He yeah. is a Trekkie. He grew up with Star Wars and he introduced me and my younger brother to that for to from a very early age. Um, yeah. So we grew up with a bunch of sci-fi, not a lot of Star Trek specifically. I think he didn't want to show that to young kids, even though I think it's fine. But uh, looking yeah. back, he wanted to um, acclimate us into nerddom quite early. And then um, when I was growing up, the Harry Potter books were coming out. So he would read Harry Potter as a nighttime story. And that kind of sunk into my subconscious. And I started... Um, really developing into a super nerd in high school yeah. where I was a choir musical theater nerd mm. 
and just a regular theater nerd. And that developed into me um, dipping my toes into D&D 3.5 in middle school and then transitioning into LARPing in high school. Yeah. Uh, which is just D&D on steroids, as I like to call it. (laughs) And uh, from there, I just have never looked back. I'm a big, I studied fantasy writing in school. I have really never looked back. Every aspect of my life is just seeped in nerddom, really. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. um, I'm curious, when when your dad was reading you Harry Potter, how old were you, give or take? Oh my God. Uh, Definitely under 10. So I think the first movie came out when I was eight and Mm -hmm. he saw that the movie was coming out and he um, was really interested in it because he's a big nerd. He's like, oh, fantasy. And like, it's a kid's book. Let's read this to the kids. And then I think it was just around the time because I remember going to our local movie theater and seeing a poster for like, or not even a poster. It was like those big cardboard cutouts, Mm -hmm. like posters. And um. I saw that and I think he saw that I was interested in it. And then so from there, I think he just bought, there were only four books out at this time. So he bought yeah. the four books and he just started reading them to us at bedtime. And we loved them so much that we never wanted to go to sleep. We wanted him to keep reading, Yeah. Um, which yep. I think is, is a universal experience for people my age. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I, I am so fascinated that people enjoyed it um i'm a person like i've i've watched all the movies um but Mm -hmm. i remember in fifth grade i read part of the first book and i have been an avid reader my entire life and i remember getting like to the second chapter and just being like this is this is awful i'm just oh no no. (laughs) yeah and i mean like i was like at that time in my life i was fully reading like adult fantasy fiction not like adult fantasy fiction but like you know like right. um uh like a robert jordan level of oh like, sure yeah brandon yeah. sanderson yeah, robert yeah. jordan kind of so, yeah. yeah so i was like um yeah i don't I, I i don't know if it was just like too too much targeted towards kids or if it was mm-hmm. something else um but yeah, it was, uh, I just wasn't, I didn't, I didn't like it. I don't know. Though I, I feel like if you go from like Robert Jordan to Harry Potter, like it's definitely written for kids. You go back and I've gone back and read them quite a few times by now. And you can definitely tell, like, it's very simplistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the storytelling is very predictable, but that's good for kids. Kids like that kind of stuff. It's familiar to them. Yeah, It resonates with them. And then the books grow up with you, which I think was one of the testaments to you had to be, you don't have to be, of course, but like why it resonated with a lot of people my age is like we started reading the books when they were written for us at that age. Mm-hmm. And by the time we got to book seven and everybody in the books was like 17, 18 years old, we were 17, 18, yeah. 19, 20. And like we grew up with the books and we grew up with the stories. So if you were born at that certain time and you grew up, you literally grew up with the books, you grew up with the writing style. But then if you read them as an adult, it's really hard when you go back because it's so simplistic. And even mm-hmm. like, even the last one, like J.K. Rowling is, I still think, a pretty great storyteller, but like the prose isn't very challenging. It's yeah. definitely written for 
a simplistic audience, which is probably why it has such a big audience. Right. But um, yeah, you definitely, I I can see why you didn't like it. If you're going from like (laughs) Robert Jordan, Brandon Sanderson, like these big sweeping epic fantasies to like a kid going to magic school like that. Yeah. yeah, That makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. I remember like at the time, I think I want to say around that time, my favorite author was David Farland. Um, which I haven't really heard a lot of people talk about. And he hasn't written in a long time, as far as I know. But he wrote this book called The Rune Lords. Um, and it was about like these, uh, I don't know, nobles essentially who could like mm-hmm. take an endowment from a person, like your strength, your dexterity, whatever. You would lose it and like completely lose it. Like if, as imagine being a D&D character who has an 18 strength and your strength is now one. Like, and, yeah. And, but, and it's granted, all of that is granted to, the person you knew endowed it to and then they would like live in these um they basically like, just be taken care of their entire life so a lot of people do it, like to like provide money for the family or whatever um or just like i don't know out of nationalism i guess uh <laughs> looking back on those books they were very problematic in a lot of ways um, oh yeah but <laughs> i mean it was written in the 90s 80s um but yeah, and it was like, so that was like the stuff and they were like fight these like huge uh, arachnid type mm-hmm. monsters and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I was like, this is, this is it for me. And I <laughs> just don't. Um, and even like growing up, like I hate to talk about her, but I did used to give credit for just like expanding the genre to a lot of people. Um, but now she could die in a fire and Whatever. Yeah, she is a very controversial figure. Like you can't for uh, legal reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Metaphorically for legal reasons. Uh these are all opinions and yeah. do not take us seriously. Yeah. Um but yeah, I've had a lot of conversations with friends and on like other people's podcasts of just, you know, you have to give her credit where credit is due and I it's of my opinion now and my opinion keeps changing honestly the more that I have time with it, but because you know she played such an integral part of my childhood and her stories did you kind of, at least currently, but I'm also starting to hear opinions to the contrary of why you shouldn't do this. I'm I'm developing, I'm learning. Yeah. Like separating the art from the artist I'm, is what I'm trying to do. It's just like her stories still resonate. She was still a big inspiration for me when I started, you know, writing. Mm-hmm. I started writing fan fiction for Harry Potter. Like there's, <laughs> I, I, it's part of my origin story. Yeah. I can't, like, yeah. I can't undo it. But, you know, it, it's hard. It's hard separating that kind of stuff. A yeah. lot of the time, and it happens so often. It's so sad. It's not just the J.K. Rowling situation. Like no. Orson Scott Card is a piece of shit. Like <laughs> there's so many, so Harry many. Kind is a piece of shit. Right. Oh God. Like so many of these people who created great things are mm-hmm. pieces of shit, and like you have to figure out how to deal with that as an adult. Yeah. <laughs> like it's awful. I hate it. Yeah, and especially for for folks in nerddom too, because like. It was probably, I don't know, I'm sure there are other hobbies that are similar, but like very much in nerdom, it, it was very, very dictated by cishet white men. Oh, 100%. And, 100%. And, like, yeah. and, and patriarchy. And so, like, all of these things that like deeply rooted into what we were, what we had access to. And that was like, that was, there wasn't really many other options. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, for like, for instance, I never, I don't even think I, read a black author until i was well past college 
I don't even think I even yeah. learned of like a fan like Octavia Butler until until I was in college and I I was doing a, a poetry independent study mm-hmm. and like I think it's just it's it sucks that that has happened and hopefully now like more people are starting to like put stuff out that we can get thankfully yeah and like they've always been putting stuff out is also a big problem and they've always right. been there but publishing companies haven't been giving them a chance they've had to do a lot of self-publishing or they've had to you know self-fund a lot of stuff mm-hmm. and in the literary community too speaking on behalf of like books and stuff like people look down on self-publishing a lot in traditional publishing. And when you go to English or writing school or art school, they tell you don't do it. They tell you to go the traditional route, even though both are equally valid. Yeah, Like you can put your story out however you want, go whatever route works for you. But, you know, there's very, there's systemic, a bunch of systemic problems that have been working against, like, I, I, yeah, I didn't read like Frederick Douglass or anything until like late mm. high school, early college yeah. or um, Malcolm X's autobiography I read in undergrad. Well, okay. I did read that one. <clears throat> but that's, uh, yeah, that was the extent of it. I haven't even, I still haven't read to this day. It's like, I have a huge list of books I need to read, but just need the motivation to read them. <laughs> um Of black authors and yeah. just authors of color and stories that I wasn't taught and stories that weren't curated for me like throughout my education like finding them yeah. myself because that's what yeah. you have to do i know it's uh it's really tough and i think too like god i remember just the the amount of sort of programming that we get from those books too like i remember so going back to uh david farland in the book the rune lords um one of the things that i realized later on in my life was that like there's a lot of orientalism in the books and like he like the all the bad guys are like southwest asian um in the way that they're coded uh mm. and yeah and it's like there's some stuff where it's like you know as a kid i was like oh well like but he still like talks about this guy being like the most beautiful human being um in a completely androgynous mm. way and you know um but then also it's like yeah, but you still just made him evil just for the sake of whatever. Um, so there, yeah, there's mm-hmm. so many issues. And so it's, it's interesting now, like growing up and kind of like getting rid of all that stuff and like relearning like, oh yeah, that was a, that was a bad opinion I had growing up because I just it's, didn't know better. It's, it can be like, it can be almost painful in a sense of yes. just like realizing how many internal things that we absorbed either through our environment or our media mm-hmm. and it it's it's a hard process to just look within yourself admit you were wrong and learn from it which mm-hmm. is why I have a lot of sympathy for people who do try like they grew up in a certain time period I'm like well people can still learn like they can but it's just they have to first look at themselves and admit they're wrong and that's sometimes the hardest part is just admitting that you're wrong you don't know everything yeah and you know just challenging yourself to be a constantly developing human being which is part of growing up but then you also meet grown-ups sometimes who don't do that so i don't even know if it's part of growing up anymore (laughs) everything's being challenged in this day and age who knows seriously yeah it's uh it's interesting i mean even so like my mom listens to the show um, which I know is adorable. Um, that and, is adorable. <laughs> and, and yeah. And so the other day she, she texted me and she's like, um, okay, episode 25. Like you keep saying this word, um, cis het white man. What does that mean? Oh. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like teaching my mom about like 
uh, uh, gender terms and stuff like that, um, which is, is yeah. really fascinating, you know, that, um, I mean, my mom has always been incredible. So, uh, shout out to you, mom. But, um, also like it's, it's cool knowing that she's learning about this yeah. and like willing to understand what it means. And, um, yeah, I think it's just so important that we just continue to do that. I mean, my old job, we used to, we used to have, uh, like we were talking about like hiring a new manager and we would, for, at the beginning of the conversation, it was always like, well, he needs to be this and he needs to be that. And then we we're like, okay, like, first of all, he doesn't need to be he. Uh, we should yeah. stop saying that um, mm-hmm. because that's, he is not know, gender neutral. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and and but and that's the thing too is like we really meant he as a man um, mm-hmm. because that's what we assumed the job was with our own biases. And after we stopped doing that, I think we hired like you know five to ten women uh, into the role, um, which is great. Um, I mean that job sucked, but you know, it's great (laughs) that they they change that way. (laughs) Any industry can benefit from having diversity and gender diversity and race. Just having diverse opinions in any industry ever is always a good thing, no matter how it comes about. Like it's just a good thing. Nothing bad could happen from that, in my opinion. I'm sure maybe some, but I don't think so. Yeah, no, it really, it really makes a a huge difference uh, for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, having just the different opinions and different like understandings of background and stuff like that different perspectives and like even yeah because when you were talking about you know you teaching your mom stuff like I teach my parents stuff all the time uh jury's Mm -hmm. out if they listen (laughs) sometimes I think they try their best they definitely are better around me like I have to like yell at them for using offensive language a lot not like swearing because I mean I swear like a sailor so I can't judge anybody for swearing (laughs) Um, but like using terms that are very outdated in terms of like mental health or just mm, something that's yeah. a bit sexist, something that's a bit racist, like be like, no, you, you, you literally, you cannot say that anymore. And I'm not being funny. They think I'm joking. They're like, oh, haha. I'm like, you're being PC. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm not kidding. Like, please stop. Please stop. Please stop. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, uh, I remember God, I mean, some of the uh, adults around me and my family um when uh like the george floyd killing happened and right. stuff like that like some of the takes or like quote unquote jokes or opinions about a lot of that stuff, I was just like do you get, i mean do you do you remember who i am <laughs> like right you, you do realize, I? <laughs> like, yeah my kids are like black. Like I don't. What, right. How is this? Uh, how is this a conversation we're having right now? Um, yeah. I ask I mean, myself that every day. <laughs> like for half the conversation. Like why today? Like yeah. Why? Why now? It's twenty twenty two. Why do we have to keep dealing with this crap? <laughs> like every every day. Every, yeah. In so many ways, it seems better, and in so many ways, it is way worse. <laughs> it seems like it is because, and I think also it help it helps. <laughs> it makes it worse because you know we're adults now, and yeah. not saying that life hasn't always been hard for basically every generation because every generation has its struggles. But when you become an adult and you you know you have this, your brain is fully developed. You have this quote higher consciousness. You're just more aware and Mm. also we have the 24-hour news cycle so that's awful (laughs) i credit that with so much of my personal anxiety i'm like if we didn't have the 24-hour news cycle i wouldn't be like this (laughs) i yeah i know it's probably bad but like for my own piece i refuse to like 
pay attention to the news. I obviously having to be on Twitter now has mm-hmm. notified me of a lot Same. of things. Um, but outside of that, like I don't like I don't go searching for it. Like I don't I won't watch the news. The or, only I don't watch any cable news anymore. The only news I ever get is I I am subscribed to the New York Times um, newsletter, which I only sometimes read. <laughs> Yeah. And then I watch uh, Philip DeFranco on YouTube yeah. because he curates the news and gives his opinions on it. And at least he makes it somewhat entertaining and digestible. Yeah. Um, and then occasionally I'll watch clips of one of the late shows like Stephen Colbert talk about something or yeah. Seth uh, Seth Meyers talk about something. But never the news yeah. that I'm too scarred. I'm too yeah. scarred from the news. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Actually, I yeah, can. that's a good point. I do like, I do enjoy watching Trevor Noah talk about stuff. Um, oh, Trevor Noah is also Trevor. great. I love Trevor. Uh, yeah. He's <laughs> great. Yeah. My only connection to the New York Times right now is Wordle. So <laughs> I, I have not jumped on the Wordle train yet. I've seen it for months on my timeline. Yeah. And I'm just like, I, at this point, it's just, it's a pride thing. I'm like, you know what? I refuse <laughs> to join Wordle. I don't want to. I am just going to be ignorant and be better than everybody else, even though obviously I'm not. But like, mm-hmm. now it's more of like, how long can I hold out before I actually give in? Cause I see everybody. Everybody yeah. talks about it. Everybody does it. <laughs> my, my wife, when, when TikTok really started getting popular, my wife was like on it all the time. She's mm-hmm. like, it's so funny. And I was like, no, no. It's <laughs> and now I'm on it because I made one for for my show just to like post mm, videos. Yeah, of course. And every once in a while I'll get on there. I'm just like, oh, I guess I'll watch a few things. And I'm like, 45 minutes later, I'm like, Shit. Yeah, four hours <laughs> later. I downloaded it on a whim, I think around the same time that a lot of people did. Like I think late no early 2021 i don't think i i don't think i caved in 2020 but early 2021 i caved and downloaded it and i spent i kid you the whole day mm-hmm. the whole day on tiktok and yep. it was like at first because i heard about the algorithm and i heard about you know the for you page and how it's different for everybody like kind of so like the first maybe like 30 minutes were just like a bunch of dance videos and like stuff that definitely was not for me. Yeah. And then as soon as it got tailored to me, I'm like, oh, this is what addiction is, isn't it? And I kept like scrolling. It's like yet another social media thing that I have to keep checking. And it's it's something. I love TikTok, but I have to I have to limit myself. (laughs) That's what I find so amazing of how many people like still get involved in it because literally when you jump on it, it is like like you want to see a bunch of teen girls dancing? Here you yep. go. And it's like, no, I didn't. I didn't. No, I didn't. What I want to see at all. And then you have to like learn how to like stop it. Like I tell them that you're not interested in this, but you don't want to click too many buttons. And you don't want to end up liking something either. <laughs> yeah, I think oh. it's like it's a combination of like you liking videos and like how much time you like linger on videos is yeah. part of it. I think. Um, and then you sharing videos is yes. part of it as well. So I share a bunch of um, TikToks with my uh, my D and D groups. Yeah, I'm like, oh, this is this this is totally this character. This is totally this thing. And then because we have so many in jokes and stuff that usually is ju- it's so specific to mm-hmm. that like campaign or that character, I'll get like ten other TikToks in in a week of that same like joke that I shared one time. And I mean, if anybody heard my interview on three black halflings, where I talked about my R rated story, um, you know how specific and a little bit weird that one of my campaigns is. So it'll be very like R rated TikToks that I get. And I'm like, 
<laughs> listen, <laughs> I keep, and then I keep sending them to the group. So it just, it's like this endless cycle because I find them hilarious. But every once in a while, it'll just be like this really inappropriate TikTok that I probably should not be seeing. I'm usually not on that side of TikTok. But once in a, like a couple times a week, because I engage with those TikToks, yep. I get so, so many. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I just like, I just like this one artist. And now I have 60 of them. Like, she just keeps sending me. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a very weird, uh, interesting thing. But um, that is a good transition over to D&D because you said you played 3.5 as a teenager. And so... Very, very briefly. Very, oh. like, a couple of months. <laughs> yeah. Did you... You enjoyed it, though? I remember enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. I remember... I think I was um, 12 or 13 when I first started and uh, my friend's mom was our DM because yeah. she was an Uber nerd. She introduced us to LARP. She introduced us to D and D and I'm pretty sure I played a bard. Nice. I might've played a rogue, but I'm pretty sure I played a bard and named Satine because I love uh, Moulin Rouge. Mm. And I was going through my initial Moulin Rouge phase at that age, which is not a movie you <laughs> should be watching one. at yeah. 12. Um, but I did. <laughs> and I was an elf, obviously. Obviously. And that's about all I remember. And then I I remember her taking I remember the player's handbook, the 3.5 player's handbook, and flipping through it and all the really pretty art. Yeah. And I remember um, one time our DM, my friend's mom, I did this thing called honors choir in high school and middle school where it's basically competitive choir is what it boils down to. You audition to be in this like statewide choir. It's a big deal if you're in those circles. And I was auditioning for it. And um, during the audition process, she brought the book and she was DMing for us on our breaks between our auditions, like of us going shopping. Yeah. And she's like, do you, well, here's a dress shop. Like, do you want to like buy this dress? I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. And like, how much is this dress? And I remember her saying, oh, it's one gold piece. I'm like, one gold? I have like 100. She's like, don't tell the shopkeep that, do you? And I'm like, <laughs> nope, nope. I just didn't understand what gold meant. <laughs> and that's like my most vivid memory. It was us just playing on the go, really. Yeah. So I don't know how like indicative that is of 3.5 as a whole. But that's what I remember from it. <laughs> yeah. So when did you, like, when did you, after that, get reintroduced to TTRPGs or to D&D again, if that was the game? <clears throat> it, it's a pretty, it's a tale that has been told many times in that <laughs> I graduated undergrad and then I got my first corporate job and it was a design job and I needed something to listen to in the background. And I found Critical Role in 2017, 2018. <laughs> Critical Role, the ambience Critical of these lives. <laughs> yep, it it started it. And I remember when it first came out and I didn't watch it because I saw the video was like four hours. Yeah. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, like, no, thank you. Uh, but then I needed something to listen to in the background while I was uh, working. So I started listening to it. I got past that initial hump and then I got really invested in it and then um i joined my first campaign after that i think about two years later when i started my master's program i found a group and started playing and i didn't really like the way that my dm was dming he Mm. kind of was a jerk Mm. um and i'm just like you know what i can do that better so i started my own group (laughs) and the rest is history (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and so that was fifth edition, right? 
Yeah, I started. Yeah, I got reintroduced with fifth edition. Yep. Yeah. So I know every, most of the things I know just offhanded are fifth edition. And I learn more about earlier editions when Lisa and I do the research for them. So that's where yeah. I find out all of the stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, um, because you talk about this specifically, like one one of the things I always like to talk about, like when do you think you realized that there were so many issues with these books? I I don't think I properly realized until the pandemic. So we had a lot of downtime, obviously, mm-hmm. at the beginning of the pandemic. Yep. And I just graduated school and we were just looking for stuff to do. And I remember being on Twitter and seeing comments that were reposted from Gary Gygax about women in gaming and getting real mad about it yeah. and contacting Lissa. And then we ranted about it and we decided to record it and have fun with it and dissect it and give it context to process it. Yeah. And then just coming up with that concept, we're just, cause when you, you know, when you start a podcast, we're just like, well, how many episodes is it going to be? Is this even a thing? And then we started doing research on top of, you know, the research we were doing for Gary Gygax and Jonathan Tweet was the other person we covered in our first episode. We're like, oh, there are actually a lot of problems with <laughs> yeah. D&D, not sexism, racism, everything. It's great. Yeah. Uh, it's not. It's <laughs> awful. Yeah. Um, but we saw all this and we're just like, why don't we just start picking this apart and seeing what we can learn from it? So it was it was just those initial tweets that just started just this research bonanza that showed us the bigger picture because I don't think I really I knew of the reputation that D&D had that it wasn't a very welcoming place for uh minorities or women. Yeah. Because you can't grow up in a ner- as a nerd, as a nerd girl specifically and not be aware of that. Yeah. Um thankfully I didn't have too much experience with it except when I started very briefly playing MMOs and then mm. stopped playing MMORPGs because of it. Yeah. Um, like they, these kinds of games had that reputation, but I didn't know it was innately built into the game until yeah. we started the podcast. Yeah. I played World of Warcraft for a month. Ooh. Longer <laughs> than I lasted. <laughs> Yeah, I had one like real long like weekend that started at like Friday seven a.m. and ended on Sunday at mm-hmm. seven p.m. Um, oh jeez, yeah, I've been there. Except with the Sims, not with. A- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And just yeah, um, I don't play online game. I talked about this a lot, but I don't play online games before that reason. No. I just don't want to deal with people. Like I don't want to deal with some valid fucking twelve-year-old kid calling me the n-word uh, because I beat him in a game or what like or anything right or just the amount of slurs that people can use when nobody can see them or locate them um yeah it's awful so anonymity gives people just the biggest like they they, it takes the filter right off people yeah and which is never a good thing and you know it just sucks because i love video games now like i discover video games right as i uh graduated from my undergrad mm-hmm. and um I didn't really I played like maybe The Sims and Mario yeah. um and Skyrim before yeah. but then like after I graduated and I had a little bit of time on my hands I really got into video games and I 
love them. I love RPGs specifically. Mm-hmm. And I love storytelling RPGs. Yeah. Um, so big fan of like Bioware games. Like Dragon Age is one of my favorite game yeah. franchises of all time. But I, I would, I feel like I would have loved the online MMO stuff if it wasn't so toxic. Because I love RPGs and I love just playing i just love the feeling of playing games but now i just i love single player i think that's probably my preferred i just like being yeah. by myself and Same. playing <laughs> just playing i just want to romance a turian is that so much to ask like <laughs> and i love those experiences but you know it, it sucks that i just feel like mmos are just so closed off like i won't even touch it with a 10-foot pole unless mm-hmm. i do co-op and i don't play with anybody that i don't know like, yeah. I just started getting into co-op, just started recently, yeah. and I can't. I can't yeah. the whole. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, it literally, yeah, it has to be with, like, somebody I know, uh, which is typically just my best friend um, when it comes mm-hmm. to playing games. I just, I don't have any interest in getting it. I think I tried Apex Legends for a little bit, um, and it was fine, but it was just, like, I just don't get into that. Or I'll yeah. just like leave my mic off and just like not listen. So if like you're trying to tell me like what to do or whatever, I'm just I'm not gonna yeah. be that party member that's gonna be that involved. Um, but I per same, I prefer just single player RPGs. Um, like I wanted I I so badly wanted to play the old republic, the Star Wars Old Republic oh, game. Oh yeah, yeah. Which is an MMO. Um and mm-hmm. I haven't and I never will. Um and I don't even know mm-hmm. if it's like bad. I mean, the Star Wars community, generally, is not the happiest. They have a reputation. That's fine. Uh, So I can only imagine the Star Wars plus MMO. uh, Oh, double whammy. Yeah. Yeah, no. But the, I mean, yeah. but those trailers, like they make these freaking cinematic trailers. And I'm like, this game looks incredible. That's they look looks. amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's they not look so looks. cool. Like I have, <laughs> I have a copy of Elder Scrolls Online. Will <laughs> I ever play it? No. I have no idea. Maybe Same. one day if I'm brave enough. Maybe one day because I love the Elder Scrolls. I, I love, love Skyrim. Yeah, I love Oblivion. I have never finished Oblivion. I actually have technically never finished Skyrim. I've never finished the main quest of Skyrim. I always get too dis- too distracted yeah like with all the other side quests <laughs> yeah. never finished I've, it I, I love it but never yeah. finished it. <laughs> i think i've beaten both main quests twice in oblivion and in skyrim um and just do like like that's a game that i'll come back to and just play oh same just, it's know. a comfort game it's like a blanket she's like i feel like sitting on my i play it on um xbox mostly yeah so i just i sit on my couch lay back and just play skyrim usually a sneak thief obviously because what else you do other than play a sneak attack like uh bow ranger type because that game is built for it (laughs) it literally i've tried i've tried multiple times to just go and be like i'm gonna be a two-handed fighter and then i get killed by some stupid bandit and i'm like how did Mm -hmm. this happen like i'm built to destroy you I guess we're sneaking it <laughs> I'm usually like, I am a mage person. I love yeah. playing in D&D and video games. I love playing with magic full stop yeah. because 
it just is the epitome of fantasy is the magic that exists within fantasy but in skyrim i can't do it like because you're so squishy Mm -hmm. and it's so difficult like you don't get any of the um like the real benefits of it until you level up to level like what like 20 something yeah but up until then, you're getting, even if you play on easy mode, you're getting killed every two seconds. So, like, you got to play a sneak thief archer. It's just <laughs> the rules of the game. I don't know what else yeah. to tell you. <laughs> the, the Thieves Guild and the Assassin's Guild always have the best. Oh, my God. Troll. I just finished the Thieves Guild quest for the first time. It was bugged on my Xbox forever. Oh my yeah. Like, I couldn't I couldn't meet Brynjolf in the um, Ragged Flagon, so it would yeah. never start for me. But I finally got it to start by just go starting a new game and just going right to the thieves guild quest yeah and i finally beat it for the first time i think i still prefer the dark brotherhood one it is, because yeah. it's it's oh yeah. the night mother is just you know chef's kiss terrifying love love to see it but the, there's there's still something so satisfying about being a member of the thieves guild well, and being and like a honest to god rogue. is the coolest looking the armor. nightingale armor is yeah. rad yeah. yep Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so sure. I could geek out about Skyrim for ages. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's kind of a cliche at this point because it's been out for so long, but I'm just like, it's just a good comfort game. Like, yeah. let people enjoy things, you know? <laughs> yeah, I recently downloaded it again, uh, probably in 2020. I mean, time's not mm-hmm. old, so who knows? But um, I just remember, like, somebody was like, we'll just get it on your PlayStation because you can get all the mods. And yeah, it's true that you can do mods nuts. on consoles now. Yeah. Yeah. So then I was like, oh, okay. And then, yeah, it's fun to be like, I just started this game an hour ago and I have a hundred in every kind of magic. Um, and then some random <laughs> I'll walk up to you and be like, I challenge you and then hit you with the biggest fireball. <laughs> uh, and just obliterate you. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. Yep. Still got to still gotta play the game. Still, um, yep. Mm. Yeah. But it's, it's fun. It's, uh, uh, yeah, it's one of those things like I think up until RPGs, Skyrim was, or Elder Scrolls in general, was like my favorite kind because of the customization of just like, you have mm-hmm. the most options to do the most stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And that really made it amazing. And then, yeah, and then I, you know, played D&D 5th Edition and then Pathfinder 2E and now my god, you, yeah. Can be hard I love any system that doesn't require you to fit specific boxes. Like you don't just yeah. have to be a sneak thief. You don't just have to be a mage. You don't just have to be a tank. You can be whatever you want. Like you can mm-hmm. multi-class on whatever you want. I love games like that. I just over the pandemic got into Divinity Original Sin 2. Yeah. And that that system is also like that, where you could just build whatever you want. There are no restrictions on anything. You can respec at any time. And it just it, when you have all of those options, your creativity just goes wild. Yeah. And then, especially with D&D, where it's more like, you know, collaborative and improvisational storytelling, you let the story, I, I mean, I do, I, I like doing this. Yeah. I let the story impact what I multi-class into because I always multi-class into something. <laughs> um, but I let this, because right now I have a warlock and I'm going to multi-class into rogue. It's yeah. not a good build. But it makes sense because my character uh, is currently a ghost. She died and she is in love with another member of the party and has been here. Her soul is tethered to his dagger and he's a rogue. And I'm like, wouldn't it be cool if when she was resurrected, she pops out and she has like three levels in like a soul knife rogue 
just yeah. because of that. Does it make sense? Is it a good build? Like, is it a good min mat? No, absolutely yeah. not. It's not going to work very well. But God, it's I really I'm excited to play it because of the storytelling element of it. Yeah, yeah. That's that's um, I enjoy building those interesting stories. We're we're starting a game. So there's an adventure path for Pathfinder 2E called The Strength of Thousands. And it's like a magical school basically that you go to. And you have to like help your community and stuff. And so I decided to play a null sorcerer who is learning wizard magic. Um, <gasps> I love play, that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my so God, I, play, I love like, that. Like, know it all like kid of like, oh, I'm in the light spell. Like, oh yeah, I could. I've been doing that since I was like. Well, what? Like it's hard. <laughs> like- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so one of like, so Pathfinder 2E is really amazing, like, especially when it comes to character options. And so you get class feats, general feats, skill feats, and you get also, um, ancestry feats. And so the ancestry feat that I picked was to have a hyena familiar. So I have this like puppy sized hyena familiar with like furry little wings. Um, cause I gave him the fly, uh, ability. And mm. yeah, I'm I'm very excited about this. It's, that, uh, <laughs> that's so that's amazing. I love it. I love it. It's yeah. just it's it's just fun when you could just create something that doesn't make sense, but yeah. you're excited to play it. Yeah, that's the best. Yeah, and, and that that adventure path is really cool because like it says no matter what you have to multi-class in either wizard or druid. So you know, um, my friend is playing a barbarian. And she's going to be a wizard multi-class. And then uh, her boyfriend's playing a monk. And he's going to be, a, I think, a druid multi-class. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So we just kind of like do stuff. I mean, it's, it's really fun. But yeah, I think that kind of creativity option player control is like, I mean, as people who grew up reading fantasy books, like you want to make the character you want to make and like having those options is it's so wonderful you can i mean there is there is kind of an aspect of being a bit overwhelmed by how many choices you have yeah which is why i like especially when i play any magic caster in fifth edition there's so many spells choose from so many and especially if you play a charisma caster you get the spells you get until you level up and then maybe you can swap them out if your dm is nice yeah um and I, it's so overwhelming to pick all of those spells that I just had to d- decide like super early on, like my character doesn't like illusion spells because she yeah. doesn't like manipulating people's minds or something. So you like cut all those spells out. Um, so it forces you to kind of make your own constraints, which can be difficult, mm-hmm. but very rewarding, yeah. I think, at least in certain play styles. Obviously, if you want to min-max a character and that's how you play, um, I guess it also feeds into that, whereas like you just experiment with what classes worked really, really well together, and which ones absolutely do not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I definitely love a little bit of both. I think I'm very much in like in the RPG video game mindset of like, how do I beat the game, right? How do I make right. the most damage? <laughs> and yeah. so that, yeah, that has translated a lot into me making min max characters a lot of times, um, but. Yeah, there's so much fun in like creating something that isn't like always effective in in just combat and like can do all these other stuff. You know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. uh yeah, it's a good time. I um I, I wish that D and D's 
multi-class options or like the way that they use multi-class like wasn't so detrimental to characters yeah you do kind of sacrifice a lot to multi-class and i hope maybe later on they're gonna add addendums because it seems like they've been really expanding character options recently and that you don't need to take certain racial feats if you don't want to you can substitute Mm -hmm. this this and this alignments don't really matter i mean they never really have in fifth edition but like they're saying it like outright like don't even worry about it there is no alignment for these races anymore which great steps forward yeah but yeah i want right now i'm in another game i'm playing i'm playing a fighter which is new. I don't play multi, I don't play martial classes Mm -hmm. and I already, I'm just like, I want magic. I want, I want (laughs) magic. I want it. But I was, I tried to make at least a good fighter and I dumped all my magic stats. They are not good enough to multi-class. So I have to spend my ability score updates or upgrades. Um, I have to spend them on actually upping ability scores and not getting all the cool feats that I want just to make sure I'm smart enough. Cause I'm, I think I'm going to go with wizard because I just want a couple of wizard cantrips to make my blades do cool stuff. Yeah. So you have to like sacrifice a bunch of stuff just to do, just so I'm like, my character has a high enough intelligence to be a wizard. And I guess you can probably work with your DM to just like, you don't have to be this if you don't want to. But a lot of the time people play it by the book and yeah, it can be really restricting and it can make for not as powerful of characters. And if you play in a party where somebody's like a straight shot druid or a straight shot cleric or a straight yeah. shot fighter, they're going to be mechanically probably more powerful than you because they didn't multi-class. Yeah, seriously. I I am of the school of like, because there are so many options, I am definitely, if like you did something and you're just like, ah, you know, it's been like four sessions and I really don't like this thing or I never use it. I'm like, yeah, fucking retrain it. Like, I don't, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, as, a, as a GM, I am absolutely of that. Like, my buddy made a, a, a Druid for a Pathfinder 2e game. Mm-hmm. And he was like uh, a wild shaping Druid, but he also took this feat to make him be able to do like this, um, I don't know, storm power. But like, we mm-hmm. played 15 sessions and he never used it. And I was like, you don't have to keep this. Like, just. Just change it, and your next yeah. Level, just take take that off, switch it to something else, and just change it. Um, and so he did. But yeah, I just think I definitely think because the game is built to have fun. Like if you made a character that you don't enjoy, you just talk to your GM and GMs. Just fucking let your players do it. It's not the yeah, end of exactly. Goal. Everybody should be goal. having fun. I I had to learn that recently. Like I like D and D is probably like really upped my interpersonal communication skills because I'm somebody yeah. who's like. A bit like, oh, I don't want, I, I don't want the DM to not think I'm not having fun or, you know, you get all in your head about it. And I've gotten a lot better of just like, just the other day I messaged my DM is just like, listen, I'm not having a whole lot of fun playing this character. I'm trying to figure out how to ways, how to fix it. Can you help me? And then we had like an hour long text thread of just trying to figure out like, well, what do we need to do like mechanically or story-wise to make this more fun? That's not just scrapping the character. Cause I still really love the character concept. It's just making it work and getting rid of the stigma of just, if you're not enjoying it, it's okay. Just talk to your DM about it. Talk to a player about it. 
and it should be fine. Nobody's going to judge you for it. It's a game, especially if you have a really good group and you play with friends and non-judgmental, like everybody wants to have fun, like just have fun. It's okay. And I, it's my inner monologue. Like it's okay. Just do it. (laughs) Stop being a pansy. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. No, I think it's, I think it's definitely good. Um, but yeah, be- before we get too far into towards the end, I do want to make sure that we talk a little bit more about the Sloppily Trolls podcast. Oh yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so yeah, so many great episodes, uh, so many topics uh, <laughs> revealed or, or information uh, unfolded. Like for me, I never really, I've never played anything pre three point five. Same. Um, and so i yeah it's fascinating to learn all of the awful things about second edition and ad and d yeah (laughs) um yeah so you know obviously you guys do i guess you know for people who don't know your show uh like what is what is the sloppy trolls because we kind of talked about it but not really like what what all you do yeah, we do monthly episodes. We do deep dives on topics usually related to feminism or some sort of problematic uh, history with D&D. And we try to look at it through a critical lens. So we talk about what the issue is, um, analyze it, and then also contextualize it. And just like, well, why could this have happened? And not use it as an excuse because it's never there's never an excuse for racism there's never an yeah. excuse for sexism but at least putting it into perspective like these are the things that might have gone into this decision whether mm-hmm. it was you know a conscious decision or a subconscious decision putting all the facts on the table analyzing them and then giving our opinions and just encouraging people to do better to change things at their own table and just rewrite some of the bad things about a hobby that means so much to us and that we want to see it do better and we want it to be as inclusive and just be as inclusive as possible and Mm. encouraging people to do that through that platform and through educating not only ourselves but other people yeah yeah one of the um so you guys recently did a q a <clears throat> and uh and I didn't get to watch it but I did ask a question so I'm going to ask you now since I, oh, sure. I didn't know if you answered it. Um sure. but when are you going to finally pick on 5e? <laughs> we <laughs> we will and there are some things and I think I answered this with there was something that came out recently that I don't know if it's going to fit into an episode or not but yeah. they fifth edition when they came out with all those changes for mm-hmm. um for races and yeah for uh tasha's and they they did like addendums to the player's handbook where they Mm -hmm. uh changed certain alignments and ability score stuff for new publications of the player's handbook and they did this weird thing where on one of the tables they got rid of like it was one of like a random encounter table or like here's what you roll to um see what building that your players stumble across when they roll an investigation check and they got rid of brothel for some reason. And I'm like, why'd you get rid of brothel? I don't under, like, was anybody asking for that? Like, yeah. it's not like you had the harlot table or something. <laughs> like, why'd you get rid of, like, brothels are kind of a, people go to brothels in D&D. Why'd you take that out? And I don't even remember if they just uh, substituted the word brothel with another way to say brothel or if they just substitute it with another building altogether Mm -hmm. but it was just so strange i'm like why did you get rid of 
brothel. Like, who asked for that? Brothels exist, and they have existed. That's a weird thing to get rid of. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, we have we picked on Fifth Edition for their art. Yeah. <laughs> in our art episode, we mm. there is a huge problem with D and D and wizards not hiring enough um, female artists, in my yeah. opinion. And yeah. that kind of sinks into some of the art that is definitely an improvement from past editions. But um, yeah, we we pick on it. We pick on it occasionally, not as much as other editions because they ha- are doing a bunch to improve. But whenever the opportunity presents itself, we we try to also give it give it the same like critiques. But we haven't I haven't stumbled across anything fifth edition specific to do like an entire episode on yet. But I'm sure. There has to be something. There has. Yeah. There's always something. There's, there's <laughs> there bound to be something. something Open yeah. to suggestions if anybody has any us yeah. to look at for stuff for fifth edition. Mostly, I'm just uh, I'm just a troll um, because I <laughs> <laughs> because I enjoy Pathfinder Second Edition so much, and not to say by any yeah. means that Paizo doesn't have its own issues. Um, sure, but uh, it's like they've done a lot more to make it inclusive in general like there's more Mm -hmm. diversity in their books there's more inclusivity in their books um like you'll be reading through books that like you know they talk about like this person is gender fluid and you know and and like they it's very much like it makes it more of a welcoming space and so i think um that and the mechanics like i tweeted yesterday about how you should put more First level rangers who can do four attacks in your game. Um, that's because <laughs> you can do that in Pathfinder. You need to beef up rangers full stop <laughs> in fifth edition. Well, honestly. yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but like in 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 second edition Pathfinder, you can do that. You can make four wow. attacks as a ranger. Yeah. Uh, um, and you know, so there's things like that mechanically that I really enjoy, but I think ultimately, like, I would love to see the same level of like we are making stuff to help people feel represented uh in D fifth edition and not just leaving it up to the community to do um i think yeah. that there's been a lot of really good starts for sure mm-hmm. like um journey into uh the recent book that's coming out and I yes remember. i know i can picture the cover because of the cute little yeah. uh creature that's on the, the front but i the name is escaping. yes journey into the something citadel i believe and i cannot remember what yeah it is. Yeah, something yeah. Citadel. It's in the ethereal plane. It looks rad. Yeah. And they have a bunch of really amazing people working on it. I'm excited yeah. to check it out for sure. And like Kendall Keep Mysteries, uh, you know, they had a bunch of different uh, authors that were involved. Stuff like that. So like it's, you know, I'm not saying that they're not doing anything. I just like to to be a brat sometimes. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> always encourage people to do better. Even if you see they're already making stuff, be like, yeah, you're you're doing a good job. Keep doing it. Uh, there's a bunch of shit with Drow you haven't changed yet. Uh, yeah. Why don't you get on that? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm still like, I mean, I don't know. Making them purple is, that wasn't really what we meant when we said to fix it. No, you know? Ha- um, no. How about just not having an entire evil race? Start yeah. out with number two. If you're going to do a matriarchy, do a matriarchy that is a matriarchy, and also don't make the uh, lo- the most well known matriarchy in D and D lore evil. Yeah. How about that? That's yeah. weird. That's that suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's. Uh. I mean, there's. Yeah. There's so many things that are. You know. I think can be better, which is exciting because now you guys have reached your 
Patreon goal to where you're going to start rewriting some more. Yeah, that we hit it a lot sooner than I thought, (laughs) which is great. I'm really happy. (laughs) I'm really that. I'm really excited that we did. But when I told our producer Terry, um, when I told him, like, yeah, if we hit like this amount, yeah, I'll start rewriting Laura. It'll probably take a couple of months. I'll get some stuff stockpiled. We hit it in like a couple of weeks, and I'm like, well, I don't have anything stockpiled, (laughs) so I need to. uh, get on that so that's my uh that's gonna be my may is picking a new um uh topic for our new episode in june for yeah. slovenly trolls and also figuring out how to rewrite some of this lore <laughs> yeah. that i said i was going to do and put my money where my mouth is basically or put our patrons money where my mouth is yeah that doesn't sound right either i don't really know how to phrase that phrase <laughs> yeah i got it i think yeah. <laughs> It translates uh, somehow. Um, yeah, no, that's super cool. I, you know, how how much research do you say? Because I mean, when it, the end product of the episode, it always sounds like a lot of research. But do you feel like how much time do you feel like it takes each month to like put that all together? Oh man, I I don't think I could put like an hour count on it, yeah. but. It it does take up a good chunk, and I mean, this isn't our main stream of income by any means. We have other right. stuff that we have to do, and we we also try to space it out as much as we can so we don't um, go completely cuckoo bananas with yeah. some of the stuff. So it it probably takes God. If I were to like compress it down to a time, maybe about if we if we just focused on it we would maybe take us maybe about a week and a half, two weeks to do an episode. But we, because we try to space it out and because I edit all of our stuff and it would drive me absolutely insane to um, have a crunch every month. (laughs) Um, And, you know, leaving space to breathe and leaving space to decompress. Cause a lot of the topics we cover are also very heavy and we all, it takes time to also figure out how to tackle it in a way that's sensitive in a way that makes sense and also formulate opinions that we think are as educated as they can be so a month is a pretty good like giving ourselves enough space but if we were really like crunching it maybe it would take like a work week and a half yeah maybe two work weeks no i mean yeah that given the amount of information that the two of you have to like pull together for it and like like you said, taking the time to decompress from it all. I mean, monthly episodes it seems like the most sense uh, because it's mm-hmm. it's a lot for sure. If we ever like reached a point where either through Patreon or through the luck of the gods that we could make this a stream of income, yeah. like that is reliable, we could maybe do two a month if that's just all we focused on. Yeah. But as of now. yeah monthly and spacing it out and giving us enough time because there's a lot like we have to sift through all the different editions of books and do a bunch of reading and Mm. compile notes and do run-throughs and it's like a whole kit and caboodle that we signed we didn't even know we were signing up for because it's weird it's the the longer we do it the more time it takes yeah which is odd like the more i learn about editing the longer it takes me to edit the more i learn uh about researching and how to like space things out the longer i research for i think it's just because you keep pushing yourself to like keep like oh how how much more can i improve or how much more stuff can i fit into this episode yeah which (laughs) who knows what that cap is we haven't found it yet probably (laughs) because there's always more we could put in I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things I think, especially like you talked about with editing, like when you first start doing it, you're just like, 
cool. I took all of the coughs out and, you know, yep. like, <laughs> guess we're good. And then you're like, oh, this can sound better. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can so tweak this, like- this and this and <laughs> yeah. um, breathing. Sometimes I breathe too hard. Maybe I could take that down a little bit and yeah. <laughs> like maybe I could edit this really long pause down a bit. And yeah. the more yeah. you learn, the longer it takes. I don't know why that is. <laughs> I know. Yeah. But it's, you know, there's something to be said about, about the quality though, you know, and I think that sure. you know, the podcast that, that you two put out is uh, definitely there. And, and I absolutely enjoy it. Like it's, um, it's funny. It was one of those things I was, uh, walking down the street with my, uh, my daughter and I was listening with my AirPods to the most recent episode, which, um, by the time this comes out, it'll most people who listen will be able to listen to it. Uh, and it's uh, about dragon titties and I'm listening to, I'm listening to this and I'm like, if my Bluetooth switches over, you know, like if my wife hooks up, if my wife hooks up like the the Bose speaker or something, um, or get in the car and forget to like switch this, like, and the first mm-hmm. thing she hears is like, "Boobies, mommy, boobies, mommy, <laughs> mom, boobies, mommy." Sorry, mommy. Sorry. Uh, yeah. That, but, uh, like the amount of times we say titties in that episode yeah. because we just couldn't keep saying breasts with a straight yeah. face, so we yeah. had to like kind of keep it light. <laughs> So I, I think Lissa put out, because she runs our Instagram, she put out like, uh, you'll get a special mention in our next episode if you count the amount of titty, time we say titties and you give us that number because it's a lot and yeah. um, <laughs> we are aware of it. Like, and But how else are you There's supposed to talk lot. about it? Yeah. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> but it, no, I mean, it, but then, yeah, but like the content of it is like, yeah, we're past this hilarious uh, moment. Like, yeah, this is really good interesting stuff that um that i think we need to think about and as a person who like i will occasionally draw uh mm-hmm. you know characters for that like for folks that come on and do one shots and stuff with me or whatever um or our home game i draw all of our characters like being conscious of like not over sexualizing my friends characters as i'm drawing them mm-hmm. um yeah, I think it's super important. And it's something like I realized as an adult, because as a kid, I was like, I remember, I remember this, uh, my, I used to draw like the, after Space Jam came out, I drew like the Looney Tunes book <gasps> all the time. Yeah, Lola Bunny. Yeah. And I drew yeah. one of the uh, female characters with like large breasts. And so my mom right. was like, oh, that's an interesting choice. Of <laughs> like 10 years old or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, yeah, ah, it's fine. Um, but yeah, so. I love that, you know, that, that the, the discussions there, um, that, you know, there's a space now that people can listen to it and, and talk about it. And, um, yeah, I think the two of you do a wonderful job. So. Oh, thank you so much. I'm glad I were, as long as, you know, people are, um, learning something at the end of the day, even if they don't agree with us, that's totally cool. But as long as at the end of the day, it gets you thinking, and also just like changes the way or like challenges the way that you play the game in a certain way. We just encourage people to just have better, more welcoming tables by the end of it. And yeah. if that, if it, if we could just, just affect one person's D and D table, like that's enough for us. Like yeah. we didn't even think we would have an audience, but here we are <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on wonderful people's podcasts, talking about yeah. it and yeah. people are listening. That's weird. Yeah. It's, it's weird. <laughs> yeah. No, I, <it's>, uh, <laughs> For sure. I, I, I definitely am with you there. Um, and similarly, like if I could afford to do it, 
I would have two episodes a week because I just constantly want to like, as yeah. an introvert, I am so excited basically every episode to be like, I cannot wait to talk to this person. And then yeah. I'm booked out for months. And then I have like a list of like more people that I'm like, I can't even ask you yet because if I do, it'll be six months from now. <laughs> I can yeah. But you could finally come on. So um, yeah, support podcasters guys that's basically what we're trying yeah, to yeah support podcasters just by even listening if you can't do it monetarily just like yeah. keep listening follow them on social media engage with them tell them they're doing a good job give them a virtual hug <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't want COVID. i just i would love a virtual hug though yeah virtual uh, <laughs> hug nice gif you know nice gif, yeah. <laughs> yeah no but I, I think i think that's one thing too like it's informative and it is data heavy sometimes but i think that the two yeah. do like a very good job of making it entertaining as well um you know that's good this, that's what we're yeah. always worried about too like when we get like super not like preach it i want to say but if we get like super into the lore super into the context or we did some of our own like personal in-house stats and we get really excited about it we're like well we're excited about it but are people going to be excited to be lectured to about like all of which D and D god and goddess is considered hot? Like, does, <laughs> do people care about that statistically? I know I do, but I don't know if other people will want to see my Google sheets. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, probably, probably people would. Uh, I, if you've been on Twitter, there's people out there that want to know this. There are again, still shocked. Every yeah. time somebody's just like, "I listened to you," or "I found you through this," and I'm just like, "You did." no and then they literally tell me and i'm just like but you liked it because <laughs> like you know it's that creative like content creator like yeah. yeah i'm doing this and i have followers and people are listening and they're telling me that they like it but do they do they really do they, like it or are they just being yeah. nice <laughs> like, i know yeah i try to make a conscious effort of like anytime i enjoy something of letting the people that i didn't that made it and let them know that i enjoyed it because i think mm -hmm. as somebody who creates stuff it makes such a difference for somebody to be like, your show's awesome. Yeah. Like, or impact me in this way. Or this story that this person told made me cry. Um, you oh. know, like, yeah. Like stuff like that. I'm just like, all right, yeah, I did a good job. You, know? you did. I love, I've only listened to two episodes of your show so far. Or no, one episode of your show and the interview you did with um, – D&D's official podcast, <laughs> yeah. uh, which was awesome. Thank but um, I I love what you're doing. And I love listening. I just love listening to conversations between people who love D&D, who, who are just nerds and who are – not even if they're just creating content, just like having really cool – listening to really cool people have conversations is always yeah. really interesting. And I just got into podcasts like with the pandemic. So this is all new to me. And every time I discover like a podcast that I just enjoy listening to – I just take it with me on a walk and it's, it's wonderful. And I, I love it. <laughs> it's so great. I listen to way too many shows. Um, <laughs> it's, it's gotta be upwards of 15, I think. Oh, wow. Them, I, but yeah. yeah, that's, I'm so worried about getting too overwhelmed. Cause I have a couple of podcasts that I have on pause now. Like I got a little ways through their discography, but I wanted to try something new. Yeah. And so I'm listening to another podcast and then I have your backlog to do. I'm still <laughs> working through three back halflings back backlog. Like I'm working through as much as I possibly can. Cause there's just not enough hours in the day to listen to all this content and i, I wish there was because it's also good and then all these things <laughs> people are like streaming stuff I'm like yeah. yes i can't I don't know. that's why I'm so, I'm so grateful for shows like 
transplanter and hijinks that like, mm. yes, you made a VOD or a show, like a stream or something, <clears throat> but there's also a podcast for me to go back and listen to because that's easier for me to digest. Yeah. You know, oh, absolutely. Take it on my own time. I don't have to like be live and then, you know, my phone clicks off and then I missed 10 seconds of a conversation uh, that I'll mm-hmm. never get back because I won't go back and watch the VOD. So. <laughs> Sorry about it. Make it podcast. But it's a lot of work too. Uh, like we talked about, mm-hmm. like it's, you know, recording it, editing it, um, mm-hmm. putting it out consistently and on time. Also pro- promoing it oh, is yeah. also, yeah, a backbone. Mark- do being your own <laughs> marketer, which I suck at marketing. I can never market my own work. So like That's the it. fact that I've gotten any followers on Twitter is beyond me. The fact that anybody found us is beyond me. <laughs> no, it's I, I am a full believer in like if if you make a good thing, eventually it's going to I also you know, believe that you know people are going to find it, um, yeah. and it may take longer, right, than just mm-hmm. like constantly spamming people with with shit. But like, um, mm-hmm. I just don't want to do that. Like, it's exhausting for me, and I don't enjoy. It, it. is. It's so exhausting, to- and I feel like um, it's just. I don't want to. I don't know if this is everybody's uh, experience, but sometimes it just feels disingenuous yes. if you just. You just want to constantly spam or you just want to – like I understand wanting to get your product out there, of course. Like we all want to talk to an audience and we all want to have that discourse and engagement. But if it comes at the cost of your mental health or if all you're doing is just constantly just add, 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 add and not engaging with anybody, it's just – it just takes it's soul sucking like I I could never do that and then also when I try to engage I never want to engage without genuinely meaning it so sometimes I'll follow people and I won't talk to them for months but I'll find that tweet that's my end I'm like no I could talk to this person about it yes (laughs) but then sometimes by the time I do that they've unfollowed me which is fine (laughs) valid a hundred percent valid but like we'll follow each other and then I won't talk to them for months and they're like well obviously this person's gonna talk to me and they'll unfollow totally fine i get it but like it still stings a little yeah. <laughs> like i'm just i just waiting for an opening i don't want to seem like i'm just talking to you just to like you know shove my content in your face you know yeah yeah i uh i was on the verge of hitting 700 followers and then hit it overnight and i've never been like one to be like <gasps> oh I'm, I'm at this number like you know yeah right. i mean push me over yeah <laughs> if you follow the show doesn't mean you're gonna listen like i of would course, rather yeah you know, 15 listeners come to the show than 15 Twitter followers personally. Um, not that I'm not appreciative. I'm just saying, um, <laughs> but yeah, anyway, so I like, I hit 700 in the middle of the night and then literally like three people <laughs> unfollowed me and I just thought it was so every, funny. So I'm like, <laughs> every time, every time we hit 300 followers and then like two days later we were at 298. I'm like, what? <laughs> but we just, dang it. What did I do? What did I post? Yeah. Who yeah. hates me? Mm-hmm. What did I do now? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, whatever. It's fine. It, it's it's know. hard. It's hard when you're at like a certain number because like you can see the shifts when you're yeah. at certain numbers. Like mm-hmm. if you hit this milestone and you go back like 10 followers or whatever it is, like it's hard to not be affected by it, even though yeah. we try to be like numbers don't matter. Yeah. And like I as long as people are enjoying and engaging, I totally believe that. But it's also, it's another thing to keep seeing that number go up and down and wondering if you're doing something wrong. (laughs) (laughs) 
it takes a toll. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, I was talking to another podcaster who also has been on Dragon Talk and uh mm-hmm. we were just talking about like the episode that I did. And um and he was like, Yeah, man, like you gotta you gotta do the promos though, like to get and I was like, I did. I went on Dragon Talk. I'm done. Like I don't have to Yeah, that's my promo. I'm working promo I'm, for another I'm talking with people six and months, that's, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think like for for me, one thing that has helped a lot has just been like guesting on stuff. Like I've been a guest eight times in twenty twenty two on other people's shows so yeah so like just you know um it's nice to just go out and talk to people and then obviously i bring on somebody new every week and hopefully they bring on at least one other person to listen to the show (laughs) uh and so yeah yeah, we'll slowly just chug along and get there yeah we'll build you just continue building and keep doing what you're doing and like you said like your content is good so people are going to come to you right like the conversations are engaging and the people who, and also I think you just build, in my opinion, I don't know this. I've only been doing this for what, like a, just over a year. I feel like if you just keep being authentic and you just keep putting out that energy and keep collabing with people and, you know, uh, jiving with people, like the audience that you want to build will find you. Like you'll create a really good, loyal um, really excited audience that just mm-hmm. wants you to succeed because they found you and they also liked your vibe and you never seemed inauthentic while doing yeah. it. Yeah. I hope, I hope that's true. I hope. Yeah. I definitely feel like it is like as much as like, um, you know, I like, you know, as I don't have a thousand followers on Twitter, but like I have like very consistently a group of people who will come out and support Say, what yeah. I'm talking about. So, um, yeah, thank you folks, uh, for doing that. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I don't know, just, <laughs> it's, it's exciting. It's, it's exciting and scary. And, um, but I am looking forward to seeing, um, you know, your show grow even more and, uh, and to see that lore come out. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I gotta. I have some ideas. I have some ideas. I'm. I'm terrified of those ideas, but or like people seeing those ideas and tearing them to bits, which they have every right to do. <laughs> but you know, um, just putting yeah, putting my money where my mouth is is gonna yeah. be interesting because I've been talking shit for a year, and now I actually have to prove that like all my critiques yeah. are actually like no, I can I can make this better actually. Actually, yeah. <laughs> Actually. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to see it. So, um, but yeah, so you know where where can people find the slovenly trolls? They can find the slovenly trolls and listen to the podcast wherever podcasts are available. We are also on Twitter and on Instagram, and we also just started a new weekly podcast where we talk about D and D news and D and D opinions, and it's a lot more chill. And we don't research anything, so you get us <laughs> candidly. And it's called right. Cave Trolls because we thought it was funny. That is funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. And Thank that you. should be out by the time this episode airs. So if you want to. See hear us more casually and not super researched and meticulous then you could check that out and that might be more your vibe <laughs> yeah or if you're like me and hate waiting a month for an episode these also that <laughs> yeah. that's I, true it, it does uh, fill in the gap <laughs> yeah. i just i don't get it like that's one thing i i have friends who are like yeah we recorded this six months ago i'm like how like what do you how do you how are you how do you do that 
Like, how are you not just bursting with anxiety waiting for people to listen to this? Because <laughs> you tried, created we, it and it's so exciting. Yeah, we tried getting like ahead of schedule and we were pretty good about it for two months. Yeah. And now it's just like, nope, we that's not how we operate anymore. Yeah. It's <laughs> I wish. I, yeah. I wish. It's it's a lot to do. But um, yeah, well, you know, I just want to say thank you again so much for coming on and, and talking to me and uh, making a wonderful show. Um, I'm super excited to talk to Lissa. Yes. Probably the week that this comes out, if not the week after. Um, yeah. And uh, this is... This has been great. I'm, I'm I'm glad to have finally met you via video. <laughs> yeah, I am also. Thank you so much for having me. It has been an absolute pleasure. This has been so fun. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you would like to reach out to us, check out the many options on the Anchor app or anchor.fm on your browser. You can also reach us at secretnerdpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe to the show. And if you'd like, leave a review to help us grow this thing. 